research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view, this is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C. Seated by my side, as always, Eric Eggers. Eric, how are you? I'm wonderful, Peter. How are you? <laughs> the way you say that, I, I have a feeling maybe you aren't so wonderful, but we'll get to that later. Um, we're going to talk today about the 37 felony indictments of Donald J. Trump, the former president of the United States, uh, sending shockwaves politically uh, in terms of what's going to happen in 2024, but also raising very serious questions about the criminal justice system in America and how we have this two-tiered system, something we've talked about before. It's especially damning when you look at what the faith that Donald Trump has had with what we now know that Hunter Biden is going to be facing, which is three misdemeanor charges after this grand jury has been meeting for five years. That's a prime example of a two-tier justice system. Well, now, don't be dismissive. He does have to go to a diversion program for his addiction as well, Peter, and that's a hard road. Uh, yeah, it's, un- it's unfortunate. You know, if Donald Trump spent all this money on lawyers, what he really needs is a drug dealer because if he'd had an addiction, maybe he would be let off for his document problems. But you're absolutely right. With, it's The Donald Trump stuff is especially galling when you consider what now is misdemeanor charges for Hunter Biden. Yeah, and I mean, Hunter Biden, it's misdemeanor charges on clear-cut tax evasion. I would not recommend anybody follow Hunter Biden's example and evade paying millions of dollars of taxes, assuming you're going to get slapped with a misdemeanor. That just doesn't happen. But think about all the other things they look at that are clear violations of the law. The Foreign Agents Registration Act, FARA. Um, they're look at the Department of Justice website. There are all kinds of people that have been brought up on charges and convicted on failing to register as a foreign agent. Hunter Biden did the exact same thing. He he got foreign government officials from China and Ukraine meetings with top U.S. officials, including his father. And yet no FARA violations. There's even an email in the Hunter Biden laptop where one of the colleagues says to Hunter, yeah, we're doing these meetings. Uh, we better register under FARA, which, of course, was totally ignored. So things like that, that they throw the book at somebody and then Hunter Biden skates is just terrible uh, for how it looks for a criminal justice system. Well, but you get it. Who has time to prosecute what Hunter Biden's been up to when Donald Trump wants to make paper airplanes from really fancy documents? <laughs> but no, I, I think that the main story here is that what's happening to D- Donald Trump is an, a crazy abuse of power. And I think it speaks very poorly to where we are as a country. Some people think it's so bad. You know, you've got Lady Justice who, you know, she's holding those scales and she's got the her eyes are covered because justice is supposed to be blind. Some people are saying we should replace that uh, eye cover with an eye patch, kind of like a pirate. And that got me thinking. I mean, I know you've had a, a really interesting, colorful past. Have you ever known any women with an eye patch? 
This one girl in high school, but only because she had a facial tic that she was unable to control. You know, so okay. just, it was just easier for everyone that way. All right, so she wasn't a pirate. Like, you didn't date a pirate or something. Again, either. lower your voice and stop asking <laughs> personal questions, especially so close to Father's Day. The point is, is that I think that you're right. And we've had, this has been one of the themes as long as we've been doing these podcasts, is you have kind of two tiers of justice. Uh, and it, it's impossible to look at the fact that you have, for the first time in American history, now I know, like, we're not France. We're not England. We don't have the thousands of years of histories of some of these other countries. Um, but, you know, we've been around for a minute now in the United States, and we've never had of the 45 presidents somebody face criminal charges <laughs> yeah. after leaving office. This is, so this is a unique moment in American history, and I think you would, on one hand, be shocked, but then you fact, this is also the first guy to get impeached twice. Um, that does seem to be unique about Donald Trump. One of my favorite phrases is, never mistake incompetence for conspiracy. Right. And so it becomes one of those questions is, is this because there is an an overt or covert attempt of the justice system to go after Donald Trump? Or is it because he was perhaps a bit incompetent, his lawyers were incompetent in terms of the advice they gave, the way he decided to handle himself in these documents? Or maybe both things are true. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Joe Biden has this habit of kind of telling us why he does things. You remember sort of the infamous uh, statement where he said he fired the Ukrainian prosecutor by threatening to withhold a billion dollars. He told the world uh, (laughs) that he had done that. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. (laughs) the queen. (laughs) Well, he said something remarkably similar in terms of telegraphing his views on this uh, back in November of 2022. Here is what he said. We just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by uh, if we uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he uh, under legitimate efforts of uh, our Constitution does not become the next president again. Now, what's striking about that to me is he is saying in, in, in effect and in real time that he is going to use all the authority and power constitutionally that he has, that his administration has, to prevent Donald J. Trump from becoming president of the United States again. I mean, in other words, they're talking about the judge, jury, and executioner. Forget what the American people want. We're going to make that decision for them. It's pretty stunning. And so the question becomes, Eric, is, is that the motivation behind this in your mind? Well, I don't, uh, it, it seems like, and you kind of hate to kind of equivocate, but I, I think, I think it's, it's impossible to say that it's not in some way, right? Because, we had a guest on our last podcast, Jason Chaffetz, and he wrote about the administrative state and how the administrative state seems to be taking over. His book's called The Puppeteers. It's doing quite well. as a GAI fellow. We did a lot of research for the book. But I think the fact is, is that you look at the last – since Donald Trump became elected – and from the minute he became a viable presidential candidate, right, almost from the minute he descended that escalator in Trump Tower, it's like, hey, the FBI decided to pretend, along in conjunction with the Clinton campaign, that he was a Russian asset. And so then, it be- so that became the thing. And then it's like, well, now he's going to be impeached as he gets elected. Actually, he's going to be impeached twice. Right. And then the intelligence community, hey, you know, we have information about uh, that could swing the election in 2020. His son seems to be kind of definitely doing deals then maybe his father who's the presidential you know opposition uh might be complicit in this but let's suppress it and let's say it's russian disinformation and then they continue just to kind of go after him you know every other thing so uh there's if you're looking for evidence to suggest there's been a concerted effort to take him out politically 
There's it's not a short <laughs> not a shortage of evidence for that. <laughs> That's right. The interesting thing is their batting average isn't all that great, right? They sort of amp this stuff up, uh, say that they finally got him, put finally in quotation marks, uh, and they never do. But there's no question in my mind. This is part of what's going on here. I think the main part of what's going on, which is what has Donald Trump said, whether you agree with him politically or not, he has said we have got to revamp the bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. We've got to clean the swamp. He's pointed to the FBI. He's pointed to the Department of Justice. And lo and behold, what's happened? The Department of Justice and this administration has said, hey, we're going to bring 37 felony charges (laughs) against him. By the way, if he's convicted... 400 years, 400 years in jail if he's convicted on these 37 charges. And and what's interesting to me is a lot of these are for him possessing classified material that they say he's not supposed to profess. Okay, we can have a debate about that. But there's kind of a history here. There have been a long line of other people, Hillary Clinton, General Petraeus, um, who's the guy, uh, the the national security advisor for Clinton, who smuggled documents out? Like, in like his... literally takes them from the archives right. and stuffed them in his sock. Yeah, and by the way, w- by stuffing them in your sock, you're basically admitting I'm not supposed to have these. I'm hiding them. He got, I think, a ten thousand dollar fine, right. for doing this. So there's a long line of history, and if you look at Hillary Clinton, I mean, it's particularly blatant uh, because remember she had the uh, uh, emails on a laptop, the laptop that was not authorized, a server. That if I remember, it was set up in a bathroom because in the Trump indictment, they make a lot of points about how he was keeping classified material in in the um, uh, the the you know ballroom. And the, that to me is like the most hilarious part of this. Like he's right. keeping it in uh, a bed a bedroom in New a Jersey, shower, a, a shower. shower. Right. He's keeping it in Mar-a-Lago. He's keeping it in a ballroom. So it's not like he's got this like covert safe in which he's conducting. It's not an auction. Like I think of the scene in one of the later Jurassic Park movies where they're like, they have all these like illegal dinosaurs and they're auctioning <laughs> them off to this like cabal of international right. criminals. Right. This is not right. that. No. He's got them in a box somewhere in a ballroom. It's not right. like a secret. Yeah. And he's like showing them off to AIDS. He's showing them to a writer. I mean, so that's the thing. He's like, I'm not supposed to be showing you this. Well, that's right. But is that, is that a felony? No, it's, I mean, that's, and, and then you look at what Hillary Clinton did. Let's remember, she had 30,000, I think it was, emails on her server. There were classified documents in there. Um, she was asked if she had classified documents. She said she did not. So she was withholding classified material. Um, then when it turned out that, okay, she admitted that she had classified material, she didn't turn it over to the government. She had her own lawyer who did not have a security clearance, go through and say, no, delete, (laughs) save, personal, professional, without any supervision. So that makes it worse, too, because it's not like we have this. It's not like we're without precedent in this regard. No, we literally have another former presidential candidate. Now, she didn't become a president, but we have somebody who's a former secretary of state, a former first lady. So someone who's been in the realm of classified information, understands these things in some way is also, we're told, one of the most intelligent, most qualified presidential candidates competent in, in yes. the history. Yeah. And so they committed similar violations yeah and wait I, I must have forgotten was she charged with 37 felonies and did she face 40 years of jail time mm, no 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 and in fact when the fbi uh, questioned her they actually didn't even put her under oath if you remember that which is sort of highly unusual um in and- fact they were even told that when the fbi was considering looking into this what did they say the fbi said she hey, might be president yeah, tiptoe around her now <laughs> yeah tiptoe around her which of course they did not tiptoe around donald trump and he 
may be president again. So it's pretty remarkable. The General Petraeus case, remember, he had classified materials in his home which he was not supposed to have. Uh, he did not have a security clearance, I believe, at the time. Uh, and he was having an affair with somebody, and he was sharing or talking with her about that material. I think she was writing a biography on him. Um, and, and again, he So another his, writer that was being shown access. <laughs> it's the writers that are always <laughs> causing the problems here. Uh, but but this, is, this is the pattern. So, you know, it's enormously frightening. And it shouldn't just be frightening to people that have the wrong political views in Washington, D.C., it should be frightening to anybody that the criminal justice system has changed. And it really does depend whether you have a D or an R after your name, whether you support the consensus in Washington, meaning uh, the establishment, uh, or if you don't, that is going to influence whether they come after you aggressively. And there's no question in my mind that is a driving force uh, behind what's going on here. So he's accused of, of violating the Espionage Act. And there's just a couple of things that, to pay attention to here. And this potentially would be a mitigating factor because it says a conviction, while it doesn't require any evidence of a desire to disseminate the classified information, um, just, so just having it in the wrong place is enough to be considered, you know, a convictable offense. Yeah, which, of course, they did not, again, go after Petraeus, Hillary Clinton, uh, uh, the uh, national security advisor who hit it in his sock. In all of those cases, that charge would certainly apply. Well, it says charges are generally not brought without some aggravating factor, making clear the retention was not accidental, such as evidence of the intent to share the information, signs of disloyalty to the U.S. government, or simply the volume of documents taken. I'm not sure that, I mean, based on what I've read, that the Donald Trump's guilty of any of those three qualifying factors. Yeah, no, I I, I don't see that at all. So either. then it becomes a thing of, okay, so then is this about making political points? And that's where then you hear the quote from Joe Biden, which he said, we're going to do everything we can to leverage right. the power of the U.S. government to keep Donald Trump from taking office. It's challenging not to view this in that context. And uh, and that is, I think, as you noted, like should be incredibly troubling because, yeah, Donald Trump's like this unique thing. But today it's Donald Trump. Tomorrow, it's like another Republican that you don't like his views on right. diversity and equity stuff, or it's somebody you don't like their views on climate change. And so if climate change is this existential threat, yep. or, I mean, it is uh, actually the day we're recording this is Juneteenth, a recently commemorated federal holiday. Uh, remember that we were told during COVID that, you know, every person is now an active threat and you have to stay inside. And you can't go anywhere and schools are closed and churches are closed until George Floyd's death, in which case now we're told by the CDC that racism is now the most oppressive right. threat. So like, so you can protest. You can get together with 100,000 of your best friends. But if, if the values right. change all the time right. and justice is now being able to be kind of leveraged for political process and political yeah. points, then that is actually quite challenging and dangerous aspect of what American society may be. Yeah, exactly. And keep in mind, the bureaucracy always wants to have the final say. On these issues, one of the stories that Jason Chaffetz told us is um, Congressman goes into a meeting. I think it was at the Department of Justice, uh, and the principal, you know, the assistant uh, attorney general, doesn't show up, and just the staff is there. And the congressman says, "Well, I'm not staying here. I'm not going to stay here with the C team, and um, or, or the B team." Uh, and the bureaucrat says back, yeah, we're the B team, as in we're going to be here after that guy is long gone. And all you have to do is look at the chilling comments that Senator Chuck Schumer said a couple of years ago. I think it was in 27 or 2018, where Chuck Schumer said explicitly, oh, Donald Trump's making a big mistake of, you know, tangling with the CIA because the CIA will get the final word. 
President-elect's latest yeah. unsolicited pronouncement on the intelligence community. This was his tweet just a little while ago tonight. You see the scare quotes there. The yeah. intelligence briefing yeah. on so-called Russian hacking was delayed until Friday. Perhaps more time needed to build a case. Very strange. But he's, he's taking these... Shots, this antagonism, yep. is taunting to the intelligence Let me tell community. You, you take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. What do you think the intelligence community would do if they were most I don't know, to? but I, from what I am told, they are very upset with how he has treated them and talked about them. So that's what I think is driving a lot of this. Um, what are some of the other charges? You've got the, the, the fact that he had the documents, which, as you pointed out, uh, is not in and of itself a crime unless you have an intention of sharing it. It's withholding or concealing documents uh, in a federal investigation here. Which is uh, literally what Sandy Berger did. The, yes. the, the Clinton yeah. <laughs> like, Concealed. Concealed, like in his sock. <laughs> Do you think if Trump had just stuck the documents in his sock that DOJ would have said that's okay because of the Sandy Berger precedent? I mean, if he had better lawyers, maybe that would have been the advice. <laughs> yeah, so so it's concealing it. And, of course, the issue here is there is a, a uh, there was a dispute about whether he had the right to have these. There were conversations that were taking place. Uh, that is withholding or concealing. Remember what Hillary Clinton did in her case? Uh, she said, no, I don't have any classified material. And then she actually destroyed some of the classified material. So in her case, that might apply. Uh, the uh, other charges include false statements. Uh, these are questions when the DOJ asked if they had certain documents. And the final was conspiracy to obstruct justice, which is that uh, Trump um, tried to keep uh, assisted documents that he was asked to turn over. So those are the charges. And we are going to have... We'll see what happens in the Republican primary, but we are going to have the Department of Justice and a judge and or jury in South Florida potentially determine who's the next president of the United States based on this. Now, how how is that possible in your mind? Because in that scenario, Donald Trump wins the Republican primary, wins the general election, and then after the after the election, because that's the, the timing on this is like it would be January 2025. By the way, interestingly enough, think about the things that are sort of on the table that will happen after the presidential election. We're going to have to renegotiate the debt ceiling raise after the presidential election in 2025. <laughs> we have to decide whether or not Donald Trump goes to prison. It's going to be a busy early 2025, so I'm suggesting everybody take an extended vacation. Because My wife likes to be... give me a hard time about not making decisions quick enough. It's like, well, there's pending circumstances. I want to collect more data. Like, right. I think this is another good right. example. Well, my point is that, that no, they're, they're not going to determine it in the sense that even if Donald Trump were convicted, mm -hmm. he can still run for office. There, uh, Eugene Debs, the socialist, ran in the early part of the 20th century. He had been charged uh, and I believe convicted of um, helping people avoid the draft, which was a criminal offense uh, for World War I. Uh, Debs was on the ticket. He got 3% of the vote. But Eugene Debs was not going to win that election. Donald Trump has a re very real possibility in winning of November of 2024. And here's the thing. What if the prosecutors push aggressively and say, well, we want to have depositions on this day or on that day, and it happens to, let's say, correspond with a presidential debate or with a campaign? I mean, there are all kinds of ways they can leak information. They can try to use their position to influence the outcome of an election. And this is being done by unelected bureaucrats 
in the Department of Justice, one who Jack Smith, I don't even think, lives in the United States or for extended period. He was a special master at the Hague. Yeah, I mean, at the the Hague. So now we've got a a EU bureaucrat that's trying to determine the outcome of this election. So it's it's an enormously troubling issue. I believe that Trump, uh, if a jury hears this, probably in in south uh, of Florida, will probably not be convicted. I don't think they're going to get a group of jurors in in south Florida to convict on these charges, but it complicates things enormously. It creates a stress and strain. Let's remember Donald Trump, he's full of energy. He's 77 years old. And if he's going to be sitting down for depositions or having to make difficult decisions during the presidential campaign, it's going to affect the outcome. There's no question about it. Well, let's think about this. You know, pour one out for Miami because you got a collection of people who some of which have come from countries that have actual third world dictators. So to them, that Donald Trump's conduct is uh, not unreasonable. And they say, come on, guys, we've got I've seen way worse than this. But you're right. They, people have noted that it will be more challenging to get a conviction in Miami than it would have been in Washington, D.C. or elsewhere, right. probably because of just the political and cultural con- construct of the people that live down there. But also consider this. If, if it's historically unprecedented that we can charge a former president of the United States with a crime, right. that means it's also historically unprecedented that you have the front runner for the Republican nomination or a political nomination of president is, cr- is actively charged with a crime, which means it's a historically unprecedented tool, to your point, that they can use. This deep state has this tool, which, again, is especially relevant when you consider that Donald Trump ran for president in 2016 yeah. against the deep state right. and did many things as president to try to actively deter, neuter, and otherwise eliminate those people that make up the bureaucracy, the administrative state. And so when people say, well, hey, you know, you guys look at government and corruption and money and politics, who's making money off of Donald Trump's indictment? It's the people that would lose a lot of money if Donald Trump is reelected because he would then be going back to the business of eviscerating the very people that are currently prosecuting him. Yeah, you think about the Department of Justice. Uh, they've got a revolving door like everyone else. And what do they do? Eric Holder, the former attorney general, classic example of this. He is the attorney general. Uh, he starts ramping up charges under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. He leaves uh, the post of attorney general, and he sets up a cottage industry and makes a fortune representing people under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, which is something that he revived. So there's a lot of money to be made by lawyers at the Department of Justice. If you have a wrecking ball like Donald Trump come in and say, hey, we want to clean house, uh, we want to change the way things are done at the Department of Justice, you've got a lot of uh, lawyers in very expensive suits at the Department of Justice saying, wait a second. We don't want this. We don't want this. We're going to do something about it. And that's absolutely, you see when there's pushback to the defense budget, what happens with the military industrial complex. You see what happens when there are changes to health care laws, what big pharma does. Big law is as much of a problem as big tech, big oil, and big Wall Street. Um, and, and that's got to be recognized as a component of here, what the law, lawyer class is trying to accomplish. And the other thing here, is let's remember what happens when you impeach presidents, as was done with Donald Trump. Very quickly, what are the Republicans now talking about with Joe Biden? Impeachment. Mm-hmm. I mean, you open up the can of worms. When you say we're going to cross the red line, and we're going to do it twice with Donald Trump, you now invite everybody to say, oh, yeah, hold my beer. We're going to now go ahead and impeach your guy as well. Mm-hmm. And that's the concern. If you're doing this... 
everybody is now going to start charging their political opponents, and it's a horrible place for the country to be. I hadn't thought about this, but consider the profound irony. Remember the uh, gnashing of teeth, the tearing of sackcloth, like the, the fainting spells at the idea that Donald Trump would be at rallies, and then people that were supportive of Donald Trump in 2016 were chanting, lock her up. Yeah. Right? Be- because of exactly what we just talked about, because right. of the very real violations right. that Hillary Clinton had committed with confidential information, classified information. I remember hearing from people that had worked in naval intelligence and they no, this was my job oh by the way if i had ever done what she did i would be in prison yeah like it's no you know don't pass go don't collect anything like i'm you're going to like so it's a very real offense and what and what did jim comey say remember when jim comey excused her behavior said no prosecutor would would bring this case well and so the point is is that donald trump i think actually angered many of his political fans when he said we're not going to charge hillary clinton with a crime correct and so like but everything like, oh but he's this brute he's this third world guy <laughs> because he because it's people like lock up eh, maybe i'll put him in prison but he didn't yeah and then he and then ironically he's the one now facing actual criminal charges for doing basically the same thing but he showed some level of political class or grace or else the people that were in his administration yeah. said no that we can't do this this is a line too far to your point and so but apparently the Biden administration says, no, we can do this. Yeah. And I mean, this shows how I think in Washington style points really matter a lot more than they should, uh, because, you know, Donald Trump is bombastic. He says things he uh, uh, sometimes changes, you know, slightly what he said. But you're right. He said, no, we're not going to prosecute Hillary Clinton. Um, and in this bombastic way, he talked about the mistakes that she had made with the documents. Now, along comes the Biden administration, not bombastic. They've got lawyers that went to all the right schools. They have all the right credentials. What they're going to do is smile, sitting in their nice suit. They're going to dress it up in legalese and they're going to sink the stiletto mm-hmm. into Donald Trump. It's, it's about style points and them doing it in a certain way. Uh, and I, for one, think the American people kind of see through that. So do you actually think that in some weird kind of jujitsu way, this actually ends up helping whoever the Republican nominee becomes in a general election? Because if, if the fate of Donald Trump, even, whether he is the nominee or not, is on the table and it becomes it's not just about Donald Trump. It's about the idea that we're going to now be in the yeah. business of prosecuting political opponents, uh, yeah. which, which, by the way, is another thing Donald Trump got in trouble for. He got impeached <laughs> for allegedly collecting information right. about Jonah. Hunter Biden, Ukraine. Exactly. It's, it's literally the same. It's like the Russiagate stuff all over again. Yeah. Right. He was accused of doing the thing Hillary Clinton was actually guilty of. Yeah. And now, yeah. And now he's going to be, you know, he's been impeached for the thing that like, oh, we're going to collect information that will hurt our political position, which is exactly what Joe Biden's doing. Yeah. Here's the interesting thing. I think that politically uh, this indictment of Donald Trump will actually unify Republicans in a couple of ways. Mm-hmm. Number one. Not Chris Christie. Well, well but it, but I think with somebody that's running against him. That matters, and I'm going to explain why. But it unifies them, it brings them together. They see the injustice that's being done. Let's say Donald Trump wins the nomination. It's going to galvanize people. There's this debate going on can you pardon yourself as president? The evidence seems to be yes, you probably can. But now think about a second thing. Think about Ron DeSantis. Let's say DeSantis runs and DeSantis wins. If Donald Trump were not under indictment, There's a debate going on as to whether Trump would actually actively campaign and endorse Ron DeSantis. Mm. You know, he he thinks he betrayed him. He's bitter. He's angry. (laughs) Donald Trump is now looking at 37 felony charges. If it's DeSantis against Biden, don't you think he wants Ron DeSantis, who, by the way, has already said that he would pardon him as president? Don't you think he's going to be aggressively campaigning for Ron DeSantis 
Absolutely. So in a weird way, this unifies Republicans in a manner that I don't think the Biden administration figured it would. It could take this for Donald Trump to talk about Ron DeSantis' credentials as an Ivy League attorney. Yeah. Right? He's a great attorney. He's a brilliant legal mind. He used to be a prosecutor himself, a federal prosecutor. He knows criminals. Let me tell you, Donald Trump, no criminal. Ron is the man. I don't know yes. why I'm doing this like Bob Dole with a pencil, but still. Yeah. So, I mean, there's always interesting dynamics uh, that occur like this. Remember when uh, people Attacked Trump, uh, attacked Trump in 2016. Oh, you know, you don't know how government works. You don't. That became a major appeal, yeah. a point of appeal. I think the same thing applies here. So, final thoughts: Where do you think this goes? Do you think this case is actually going to go to trial? It looks like now it's going to be probably 2025 uh, after the election. Do you think win or lose, Donald Trump win or lose? Do you think that this case is actually going to go to trial? I think it'll absolutely go to trial because I think there's way and unless a Republican becomes elected and they you know force him to drop the charges, they pardon them or whatever it is. But yeah, I think that not only is the administrative state, it's a great way for them to flex and show the power that they have as a way of sending the signal that that we are beyond reproach. You cannot do anything to touch the power that we've been able to obtain. As Jason Chaffetz pointed out in his book, it's an intentional effort of the last 15 years to put government on autopilot. It funds itself. It runs itself. It does what it is. It's beyond the control of any one person, yeah. despite what I think the constitutional principles should be. Uh, not only that, but like Donald Trump, remember, just it's a money thing. Donald Trump is like we have found a way to keep Donald Trump relevant for four years after he's been out of office. Yeah, for the the media loves him, right? The, oh my gosh, it's great for subscriptions. Yeah, like oh, he, it's good. remember yeah. everything was going to get a lot easier. We elected Joe Biden, like it's no longer stressful. We're no longer yeah. going to be worried about these things. That's obviously not what's happened. Right. It's like you know when Barack Obama got elected, we put him on pictures and plates, and you know we so like he, he became a product. Donald right. Trump is a different type of product, and right. so he's this existential threat. We're going to be constantly sold the idea that he's this threat, and so at, they have to have the trial that can remind us of the threat he poses uh ironically it's too bad that donald trump didn't commit any crimes in chicago because just you know one of the things that we've been working on here is looking at some various uh curious decisions get made based on the political leanings of certain prosecutors and so kim fox who's the uh, state attorney for cook county in illinois just a variety of things that crimes that she has neglected or failed to prosecute not only did she drop all the charges in the jesse smollett like you know lies to law enforcement beats himself up Mm -hmm. um we had people that uh were like had hit and runs there was a homicides have increased substantially and she's like not she's charging people two teenagers were they killed an infant in a car crash and they're charged with only uh, criminal trespassing, right? So, I mean, you've seen people, there's certain ways to prosecute certain things based on a political ideology. Uh, in Chicago, it goes one way. In Miami, under Donald Trump, it goes the other. Yeah, and, and as we said, at the national level, two different standards, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump. Here's the interesting question. Of course, Hillary Clinton destroyed classified documents. She She had them deleted. She said she didn't have them. I wonder what would have happened if Donald Trump had actually burned these classified documents. They'd ask for them and he'd burn them. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of the equivalent of the bleach bit, right? You're destroying exactly a document. Right. Uh, but he didn't do that. He didn't destroy the documents. He, he, he kept them. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the case goes. But again, it is so important for everybody to recognize this is the greatest threat to our country and to our liberty. People talk about free elections Absolutely, free elections are important. But if you look through the history of the decline of great civilizations, the thing that happens first that really corrodes and leads to distrust in government, which is where we are today in America, is the notion that justice is not blind, that there's two sets of justice, one for the insiders and one for the outsiders. And that is where we are in modern day America today. The question is, can we force it back? 
or is this where we are inevitably going to see? We'll just have to see. How about this? Donald Trump and anybody that's a fan of kind of right-leaning election integrity reforms gets accused of voter suppression on a regular basis. Oh, you want to have voter ID or you want to make sure that the people on the voter rolls are actual citizens and not registered to vote in more than one state. That's considered voter suppression. I can't think of anything that's more actual voter suppression than eliminating the candidacy of the person (laughs) that people want to vote for. (laughs) That's voter suppression. That's exactly right. So I think takeaways, right? And it's crazy. I mean, it's it's almost perfect symmetry with Donald Trump is facing 37 charges, 400 years in prison, Hunter Biden, three misdemeanor charges and, uh, you know, therapy for counseling. Now, of course, we, it's ironic because we remember when Hunter Biden before was in a uh, kind of a rehab facility, he had left his rental car in Arizona, left right. like a crack pipe there, left a Secret Service badge that his brother had given him from Delaware. <laughs> he had a Secret Service badge. Yeah, remember that? It was crazy. And then like he just sort of went into hiding. Right. And the FBI is like, hey, we're trying to get in touch with or, like the local law enforcement like, right. trying to get in touch. And like, no, Hunter's right. at the rehab facility. You can't talk to him. Right. And that was kind of it. And this is like just ahead of, I think, the uh, 2012 election. But remember, he was at this rehab facility for like hydrocolon cleansing stuff. So, I mean- that's what Donald Trump needs. He needs the Hunter Biden treatment, I guess. I guess. Uh, stunning developments. Uh, and again, two-tier justice system, very, very disconcerting. Well, we appreciate, as always, listening to this podcast. You can find uh, the podcast and articles at thedrilldown.com or where any fine podcasts can be located. And we would love to hear from you. So give us your input on topics you think we should cover. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Until next time.